Welcome to the First Baptist Church of Lavernia Sermon Podcast. If you have any questions about what you hear, or if you would like to speak with one of our pastors, you can find all of our contact information at www.fbclv.com. Everyone likes to express themselves differently around Christmas time. Some folks in our neighborhood are very adamant about putting up Christmas lights on their house. Others, they don't care anything about that. One commonality that most folks have in their homes, though, is a Christmas tree. For years, there wasn't just a whole lot of options on Christmas trees. I remember when I was a kid, you had two options. You got a real tree or you got a fake tree. So now you can get all kinds of trees of colors and different lights and all sorts of things. But I saw some trees this week that were Christmas trees like I have never seen before. And so maybe you've seen some of these. If not, this might be your next adventure. Check this out. This is what I call the upside-down Christmas tree. Hmm. It also kind of looks like a tornado. Or maybe that's not your style. You're more of a reader. And so this is the librarian Christmas tree. Oh, book lovers. Or you're an electronics guy and you love to binge watch things on Netflix. Here's a television tree. The kids are going, that's what I want for Christmas. Or you're more of a ball humbug. And so here is a Grinch tree. No, no, no. You are a hunter and a woodsman. And so you prefer the antler tree. Or you're all about conservation and recycling, and so you like the egg carton tree. And this one is my very least favorite of all. (laughs) The vegetable tree. Why would somebody do that? Why would you insult the Christmas tree by making it out of things like cauliflower and broccoli? And so everybody expresses themselves differently, and we see different types of Christmas trees in different homes. I know some of you keep your Christmas tree up all year long and decorate it depending on what the month is. Today we continue our Christmas series looking at how to rediscover that Christmas trees are good and presents are good and songs all good, but Christmas is really all about Jesus. And so we're going to look at a story in Scripture this morning that also tells us about a tree that points us to Jesus, but it's not a Christmas tree. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 19. We're going to be in verses 1 through 10 today. We're going to look at the story of Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 19, 1 through 10. Here's our first thing that we're going to see is, if you're a note taker, the chase. If we're in Luke 19 to be good stewards of God's word, we need to back up and see what has happened so far. Jesus has been traveling with his disciples. He has been teaching and preaching and healing. He has been doing miracles like feeding the 5,000, raising the dead back to life. He's been providing instruction on how to be obedient to the faith. He's going to tell them how to pray effectively and righteously, how to have faith, what it looks like to come into the kingdom. And then he tells them the story of the rich young ruler, which is a young man that comes to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do to be saved and inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you call me good, but no one is good except for the Father. But you know what to do. You follow the commands. 
do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not lie, honor your father and mother. And the rich young ruler goes, well, I've done all these things since I was a little lad. He says, well, that's great. There's just one more thing that you lack. You need to go and sell all that you have, then come and follow me. And it says the rich young ruler walked away sad because he had so much and such great wealth, it wasn't worth the cost. And so Jesus uses this moment, and he tells the people that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go into the kingdom of heaven because of that desire for riches of more and more and more. Then we pick up verse nine, chapter 19, verse 1 and 2. He entered Jericho when he was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Jericho was a major tax collection point. It would seem that anywhere Jesus went, there would be a crowd that would soon form or already a crowd that would follow him. So he's entering into Jericho, and there's this man named Zacchaeus, and he hears about it, and he wants to see Jesus. Now, the reason he was rich is because in this day and time, tax collectors, this being a major tax point, they were often swindlers, and they were crooked, and they were scallywags. And so maybe your tax would be 50, and they would look and say, oh, it looks to me like your tax is 63 today. And then they'd pock up the 63 and turn in the 50, and so they would build up and they would accumulate their wealth. So he was, Zacchaeus did very well for himself. Verse 3. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. We don't know why Zacchaeus wanted to, why he wanted to seek Jesus. It could be that he heard lots of things about him, and maybe he just wanted to see what he looked like. Maybe he wanted to see if this guy's really real. I've heard all the stories, but I want to know if this is actually true. Maybe he wanted to see a miracle. It was only 15 miles down the road that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. Maybe he wanted to see the guy that did that, but he had two things that worked against him. First thing is there's a big crowd around Jesus. You know what it's like when you see somebody who's in the midst of the crowd. It's very difficult to get to them. Second thing that works against him is he's a wee little man. He has little yeggs. And so you can imagine all these tall people, Jesus is surrounded, and he's going, I can't see, guys. I can't see. And so he's determined, I'm going to go and I'm going to see Jesus. But what would he be willing to do? Verse 4. So he ran ahead. He climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. He is determined, and we don't see a lot of sycamore trees around here. And so I have a picture. This is a sycamore tree from Jericho. It's a very strong tree. It has low-hanging branches that would be easy to climb. You can get on those branches. You can see. So Zacchaeus is watching, and maybe from his vantage point, he sees Jesus, and he goes, the road's about to curve around there. There's no way he's going to get close to him with all these people, and he's a little guy, so he can't see over them. So he cuts across, he runs, and he gets to this tree, he climbs up in there, and he knows Jesus is going to walk right past there. Then he's going to have this wonderful, great, clear vantage point. This is very easy to read and skip through what this means for us because it's a familiar story for most people. Zacchaeus was a rich man. He had a Cadillac camel. He had wealth probably beyond we could imagine. He had tons of things. A man of that stature, a man of that position in this society, there are two things he would absolutely never do. One He's not running anywhere. 
He's the man, right? He has a limo. He has a chauffeur. He gets carried. He's not running anywhere. Number two, he's not climbing anything. Those two things are not going to happen. And here's what that means for us. Here's the point of conviction that I believe God would speak to us today. We see a man who is a sinner, who is crooked, who is a tax-collecting thief, who is willing to run and to climb, which means he became like a child. It's the picture of a child who's running after the ice cream truck. It's a picture of a child who would climb up in a tree to get a better view of the parade so they can see what's going on. This evil sinner is willing to run and to climb, do two things that he would absolutely never do just to get a glimpse and to see Jesus. And yet we as believers, what are we willing to do? Are we willing to run when we think that we don't have to run anymore? We're past that point in our life. Are we willing to climb? Are we willing to look foolish? Are we willing to do whatever it takes? What does it say about us, God's own people, whose spirit lives within us, that this man would do anything to get close to Jesus, and we have unlimited access to his spirit, his word, and his presence, and we so often forsake him? What does it say about us? Zacchaeus chases after the Lord, and we should too. Then we see the choice. Last week, my wife and I were doing some Christmas shopping. That is very, very exciting. There's few things that I love more in this life than going to unlimited amount of stores. Now, I'm pretty good for the first part of the day because I know she's going to feed me lunch. But then after lunch, it goes downhill real fast. And so we've been shopping for like 77 hours and the day is almost over, and it's like 3.30, and I'm about to die. We go into this store, and there are millions of people in there bumping into each other, looking through all this stuff that they're probably not going to buy anyway. And I'm just standing there going, Lord, please deliver me from this place, whatever it takes. And finally, my wife says, okay, we can leave. And I'm not joking. We go up to the checkout line. There is at least 30 or 40 people in this line. My wife looks at me. She goes, hey would you want to stand in this line and check out while I go to the next door? I can't think of anything that I would rather do since I'm in this store that I don't want to be in around all these people that I don't want to be around to stand in this line that I don't want to stand in to buy something that we could have got on Amazon from the house for cheaper anyway, there is nothing I would rather do, my love. But listen, I'm not new to this marriage game. I've been around, so I think these things, but I don't say those things. I, of course, babe, I would love to stand in this line. And the only thing that helped keep me together was I thought the line's long enough that maybe by the time I get through with it, she can go in that store and come out and I won't even have to go in there. That's the only hope that I had. But I had to make a choice about what I was going to say and what I was gonna do. Every day we make choices about what we're gonna say or what we're not going to say, about what we're going to do or what we are not going to do. And in this moment, Zacchaeus, he had a choice, verse five. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, 
hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Jesus is traveling through town. The crowds have formed around him. Zacchaeus has run ahead, climbed up in the tree, and he is waiting for Jesus to pass through, just hoping to get a glimpse. I just want to see him just to get close enough. I might be touched or I might be healed if this guy's really as powerful and can do all the things they say that he can do. And instead of Jesus just walking by and talking to people, being distracted and on a mission, Jesus walks towards him. Can you imagine Zacchaeus in that tree going, He's getting really close. Like, it almost looks like he's walking towards me. And he gets closer and closer and closer. And you can imagine Jesus stopping and looking up at him. And Zacchaeus goes, I think he's looking at me. And then Jesus even speaks to him. Hey, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to your house. Can you imagine the reaction? Was it one of fear? How's he know my name? Why does he want to go to my house? Is this good or is this bad? Verse 6, so he hurried and he came down and he received him joyfully. Me? You wanted to come to my house? I'm on my way. Let's go. A few things we see. Jesus sees you. See, in Zacchaeus' mind, there was a 0% chance that he was going to even get to see Jesus, but he was willing to run. He was willing to climb. He was willing to do anything he could just to get a glimpse, but Jesus was never going to acknowledge him. He was never going to see him. He was never going to talk to him. He for sure wasn't going to come into his house, and yet Jesus saw him right where he was, and Jesus sees you. Sometimes you think that God doesn't see, and God doesn't know where you are. And he knows every hair that's on your head, every thought, every feeling, every emotion, every battle, every victory. God sees all these things just as he saw Zacchaeus. And he chooses you. Of all the people that were there, Jesus in this moment chose to go to Zacchaeus and he chooses you. Remember, this is not about us. In this picture, we see a man that we think Zacchaeus went to chase after Jesus, and the whole time we see that it was Jesus chasing after him. Romans 3.11 says, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. Warren Wiersbe says, a seeking Savior will always find a sinner looking for a new beginning. In the parable of the lost, the prodigal son, we see that the son takes his inheritance, he goes, he squanders it away, and in the pit of his sin and his emptiness and his depression, he thinks to himself, if I could only go back to my father's house, if I could only go back and receive a little bit of grace or a little bit of forgiveness, if I could only go back and just be the lowest servant there, it'd be way better than anything I'm going through right now in my life. If only I could go back and my father would even just look upon me. And the whole time the son begins to run back to the father, and when the father sees him, he runs to the son. We see this picture that Zacchaeus thought the whole time that he was seeking after Jesus, but Jesus was seeking after him. And so the Lord seeks after you. He chooses you. He loves you. He will save you. John MacArthur says this is the only time in Scripture that we ever see Jesus inviting himself into someone's home. But the Lord is a gentleman. He stands and he knocks at the door. Zacchaeus was excited. But what about the others that were there? Verse 7. 
And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Well, look at that. Jesus finally comes through Jericho, and he's the way maker and the promise keeper, the light and the darkness. He's all these things, a healer and a teacher. And of all the people that are here, why on earth would he go to Zacchaeus' house? Well, why would they not want him to go there? Because Zacchaeus was a scallywag. He was evil and he was mean and he stole from people. He was the devil incarnate as far as they were concerned. Nobody liked Zacchaeus. He was the most hated man in this town. And that's who Jesus comes up to, to go into his house. They couldn't understand. Why would he go there? Does he have like the best food so he wants to eat? Does he have the softest bed he wants to sleep? Is it because Zacchaeus has a pool in his backyard and Jesus wants to go swimming? Why does Jesus only go to his house on this day? And it's because, number three, Jesus wanted to see the change. A friend of mine put a picture online a few weeks ago about a toy that came out, I think in 1950, 1951. Here's a picture of it. It was called the Gilbert U-238 Atomic Energy Lab. Anybody get one of those for Christmas? So back in 1950-51, I think this cost $50. And so today, that'd be a very high-priced item. But what's so interesting, it was only sold for about a year or so because it actually included four samples of uranium-bearing ores and some low-level radiation sources so that you could make nuclear reactions at home. What a great idea. I'm getting on eBay as soon as church is over and finding one of those for my kids. They'll have 12 fingers by next week. And you go, what were you thinking? Could you imagine the lawsuits that would be today if you try to sell something like this? Times have changed. Gifts have changed. When Jesus seeks us, our lives change. Verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. If I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. Zacchaeus, he has been seen. He has been called out by Jesus. He is coming to his house today. The crowd's upset. Why would they choose somebody like that? He's the devil. And maybe Zacchaeus hears these words. Maybe he just feels conviction because he looks in the eyes of his Savior and he realizes that what he has done is wrong. He feels the conviction. He makes a change. He says, up to half my goods I will give to the poor. I will restore fourfold anything that has been taken that I have taken out of spite or out of error or out of evil or out of jealousy or out of anything that was wrong. I'll give it back. This is above and beyond Leviticus 5, number 50. Say, those who take from others, you restore it plus a fifth. He says, I'll give it back fourfold. And Jesus says in verse 9, today, Salvation has come to this house, since also he is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. What we see is a man who has an encounter with Jesus, and that requires a heart change. Money and possessions was the only focus of his life. This is the one thing that matters most to me. I just want to get more and more and more and more and more. And now we see a man who wanted to steal 
becomes a man who wants to give. A man who wanted to collect is now a man who wants to disperse. A man who had no conscience is now a man of conviction. A man who served money now serves Jesus. A man of selfishness is now turned into a man of open-hearted generosity. These are changes that the gospel makes within our hearts. Let's be very clear. Salvation, though, didn't come to his house because he made these changes. The changes came when he was saved. Three things that we have to know. There is a powerful correlation between conviction and change. And if you are in a place in your life today where you are living disobedience to the Lord and you have intentional sin in your life and you feel no conviction about it, you need to reevaluate your relationship with Jesus. And you need to really ask yourself if you know him or know about him because my Bible teaches me that we cannot claim to have the light and walk in the darkness. It cannot happen. And so Zacchaeus, we see a changed person in this moment. We see a grumbling from the crowd. And it's so easy from this side for us to look at them and go, what's wrong with them folks? Why would they be upset? If there was anybody that needed Jesus, it was Zacchaeus. And now he's going to his house. This is a good thing. And yet we still grumble in ways when our situation isn't what it needs to be. When other people get blessings when we think they deserve curses. There's all sorts of situations that we grumble, and that's not the attitude of someone whose heart's filled with Christ's love. We're called to rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. We're called to have an attitude that always shows love, grace, and mercy, and recognize that everything happens for a reason and a purpose. So we must always be thankful. We need to claim and know this truth, that we never know what a day may hold. Every funeral that I preach, I make sure to emphasize the point that this could be the last day for anybody in that room. Many services you go to, sometimes it's for a person who you knew their last day was coming. Other times it was a shock, it was a surprise. But the truth is that any day could be our last. And my whole life I've heard that phrase, you never know what a day is going to hold. And the older I get, the more truth there is to that. Because you never know what God's going to do in your life today. You may think that you're going to come to worship and you have plans the rest of the day, and God has something totally else in store. You never know what eternity-changing decision or move God might ask you to make the moment that you walk out these doors or even while you sit in these pews at the grocery store, at the workplace, in the neighborhood. And we know that because Zacchaeus woke up as a man who was evil, a crooked tax collector. And he went to bed as a follower of Jesus whose heart was changed forever. So don't doubt and don't limit what God can do in your life at any moment, at any time. It seems to me that when I was a young child, we learned a song about Zacchaeus. I wonder Is there any kids here today who know that song about Zacchaeus being a wee little man? You want to come up here and help me sing it? It's good for you. It builds character. Come on. Come help me sing it because I don't know if I know the words. It's been a really long time. You thinking about it? How about if you just sit down there and just sing it real loud? Can we do that? Okay, but y'all got to start it because I don't know. Zacchaeus. 
Zacchaeus was a wee. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. He climbed up in the tree to see Jesus. This was the chase. He knew he had to do whatever it would take to get to Jesus. What are you willing to do to be close to him today? Jesus said, you come down. And he had to make a choice, and the choice of Zacchaeus was to follow Christ. The choice we have to make is to follow our Savior wherever he calls. He says, I'm coming to your home today. This is the change that happened in Zacchaeus. It was transformational, but it wasn't the change that saved him. It was his faith in Jesus. So I pray that as we rediscover that Christmas is all about Jesus, we be reminded that Jesus changes everything.